Hi Onyx fam, welcome to the Onyx Life where change comes with challenge. My name is Marthel. And I'm Rita. Every episode we take you on a journey moving you from the struggle life to the Onyx Life, creating happy homes and financial empires. Today we're going to be talking about how to be a boss. That's how she says it, by Lily Singh. So I said boss. It's really how to be a boss. That's the title, not how to be a boss. That's how she says it. <laughs> In case there's any confusion. But well, Lily Singh. How to be a boss. 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 She ba- says it with boss. like attitude. Boss. Oh, okay. Is that, um, I don't know if that's kind of Canadian vernacular. I don't think that's what she's doing i don't think that's canadian no no so lily singh is a canadian she lives in la now though but she's a canadian youtuber who we've been following i would say for a few years now or several years maybe um who who turned us on to it was it the kids i think it was the kids and Mm -hmm. they she showed us the they showed us her videos where she would be in her room with a camera and she would be making these really funny commentaries or rants about issues and about um she would do things where she would she would pretend she was her parents and, and she's they're a, very conservative indian her parents so it was right. hilarious yeah it was those are really funny videos um how she started i think i i connected more with that than what she became so but what, what does that mean well she became very successful on youtube you don't connect with that i connect with the successfulness but as far as following her watching her i enjoyed her videos in the beginning they were really funny oh that's what you mean but okay i don't you know i mean at this point in time right now i just i don't really follow her well i mean i think everybody has their times where they get um an insane amount of um uh, attention and fame and when i say everyone i mean people who are in entertainment who become successful mm-hmm. and then it gradually fades and the loyal followers pretty much stick around also, I think we go through phases in our life where what used to speak to us, what used to make us laugh, no longer does. So, again, I, I could see why you don't follow her now. You, we kind of grew out of it. Mm-hmm. But our kids, I don't even think they so much they follow, don't follow her, her now, either. But they're young. They're well, on to the next thing and the next has, thing and the next thing. She has transformed, though. She really has transformed and, well, she's and become, become something else. So She's become more, I would say... Uh, traditional when I say traditional not um, in her values or anything I'm talking about more like she's mainstream in a, in a lot of ways she still has YouTube but she's been on like the late show she's been um, you know she's did her book and she always collaborates with all these high-profile Hollywood people like Will Smith the rock and mm-hmm. so she's no longer um, the maverick from YouTube who's making all these funny videos and she's um, you know, in her in her house and she can kind of have more of a freedom, I feel, back then to say what she wants to say without as much um, scrutiny. And so now, though, she's become more political mm-hmm. and more outspoken on just issues. So in a lot of ways, you know, it's a good thing that she just ended up growing too because, you know, you got to use your platform for something positive. And so when she came out with how to be a boss... I like saying boss, but she says boss, but 
for you know for purposes here i'm going to say boss <laughs> how right. to be a boss a guide to conquering life um me and our children we we all read it and Marthel, we all read it and we thought now we really liked it we really liked it because she was able to really in a nice um in a nice sensible way break down how to be more in charge of your life and others one of the very first things that she talks about is play nintendo and i was like what does that mean now if you look at her videos she often comes off as when she wants to like silly and just fun so i wasn't surprised that her first chapter said play nintendo but what she was saying was was that when you play a video game you control the character by making a jump run duck and attack and she's talking about like super mario or it, it could really be any game she talks about how you always have to watch out for enemies you have to watch out for even the geology like where you are are you going to fall into the crevasse are you gonna you know um be killed by fire coming down like you don't know but she said the fact remains that your character is the only thing you can control in the game so as everything keeps on coming towards you, mm. the only thing that you can do is control yourself. Right. And I loved that analogy because it's so true. We cannot control our, our, our external circumstances. You really can't, but we can mm -hmm. control how we handle it. And it's just another way of putting it, really. And, and mostly people who are successful, that's what they really all talk about is you cannot control what other people do, what other people say, mm -hmm. but you can control yourself. So I really like that. Right. It's, it's almost like that saying that says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's right. It's just another way to do it, but it's a more modern way. And I think that a lot of, you know, uh, millennials will really feel that, that saying. That's right. One of her other thoughts here was conquer your thoughts. She's saying that you have to get a hold of your thoughts so that they don't run away from you. Meaning stop second guessing, stop being um, self-critical, stop doubting and act on whatever you are thinking that you need to do that is beneficial for you in your, in your career or your life, period. Right. And she was coming from a family very conservative who were like you can't just be a youtuber what like what is that and she had to go with uh her own thought on that she could actually be successful doing what she's doing despite what everyone around her was telling her and i know that at times she says you know she maybe thought like well should i give this up because you know it comes everybody whether you're working for yourself or even in another job there comes a point where i think you feel like you're stagnant and you wonder am i really gonna am i really gonna break out of this am i really gonna break through mm -hmm. and achieve the success that i that you know that i want and i'm sure there were times and she shared it where she was wondering should i keep going with this thing you know maybe they're right maybe i should stop making videos and get serious but then she would conquer those thoughts and she'd move forward right and um it's interesting, but the the previous book that we had talked about, Roxanne Gay's book, she talked about the unruly body, but I really feel that that book could have been retitled The Unruly Thoughts mm -hmm. or The Unruly Mind because really, I mean, 
you know, we can blame our body or we can blame other people or we can blame, you know, other things. But at the end of the day, it goes back to her saying about playing Nintendo. The only thing that we really have control over is really our cells, our mind. Our mind determines just so much. That's right. That goes on. And um, you can't you can't really blame anybody else except for yourself. That's right. And we cannot be wrapped up in what other people's thoughts are either. We have to conquer our own thoughts. Don't right. try to conquer other people's thoughts. Right. Exactly. Don't try to change what they think about you. Don't try to change what they say about you. You just be you. And especially in our industry, we could have been bombarded, bombarded with hate and toxicity because that's how the comment section is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's just like a, this this black hole of of darkness in some ways. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of other ways, we have a lot of positive and supportive people that write us, um, that comment, that, that, that always reach out to us, whether we see them in person or in other ways. They comment and they just say how thankful that they are that we're there and how it brings a smile to their face or their child's face. And we love that. But I do know that one negative comment one negative um, person could be stuck in my head over like let's say 50 positive ones it's just how it works so that's why my thoughts on it were like well i just i'm not going to read the negativity because i'm not going to try to conquer that person's thought about me Mm -hmm. i'm not going to try see it's interesting because gary vaynerchuk the guy who wrote crush it and crushing it he talks about he will debate and answer every single comment whether it's positive or negative and he says and when i do that you know a lot of times the negative uh, person the person who is negative about me will then say hey you know what you're not as bad as i thought or they might still say that he's negative but he feels good because he interacted with them i just have the total opposite ideology i don't need to engage with that i really don't because not everyone is going to like you I, I, I think that generally speaking in a room, if you walk into any room, any given room, and there's several people in that room, the one person that you have to be most careful of to rob you of your success is not someone outside of yourself. It's you. That's right. You are the most dangerous to yourself. And maybe that's why he can actually do it because his self the way he thinks about himself and his thoughts, he's conquered them. So he can actually engage with people, uh, you know, whether they're positive or negative, And he says, hey, it doesn't bother me because you're right. The battle starts within first. Right. So another uh, issue, not topic. No, sorry, not issue. Topic that she has pointed out was my mom once told me the more details people know about you, the weaker you become. She basically said, be secretive. Don't tell people about your plans. Don't tell people about what you're doing, uh, what you're going to do, what you're doing now, how much you make, how much you're going to make, you know, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Keep your plans to yourself. Because she said, you got to understand, you cannot trust people. Not only that, you don't need people sitting there counting your money or marking the calendar for you. You you know, you don't need Mm -hmm. someone going, I thought you said you were going to be successful and like, you know you know, at least like a month or something. Meanwhile, maybe it takes six months, right. maybe two years. You don't need people. Um, Na- naysaying. That's right. 
Yeah, that's true. And, you know, sometimes it just works out better. I know that on, on many levels, you know, being secretive, having having something that you maintain private. So secretive is one thing, but, you know, maintaining privacy, you know, hold back a little bit. It, think, it makes me think about dating, you know, when people are dating each other. The people that learn the art of holding back and maintaining some privacy are generally that's like a that's a good tool to use in dating life. You know, you're the whole point of dating is to get to know someone, but don't don't try to do it all at once. If you do it all at once, you almost take away the pleasure of the hunt, the, the pleasure of the unwrapping, the unveiling of the person. And more often than not, the more talkative you are is the more you're going to ruin yourself. You're going to you're going to relieve or reveal more things. So that, you're saying maintain some mystery, maintain mystery. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely maintain a mystery. And it, it just allows people to to unpackage you and to and it's just more pleasurable. What about when you've been married for 20 years? When you've been married for 20 years? Mm hmm. What what is it? What about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you maintain mystery? I don't know if the secret to marriage is the same thing as the secret <laughs> to dating. I mean, dating is a it's a different monster. I I think marriage is is an, is another is another realm, and I don't think that maintaining secrecy is <laughs> is the secret anymore. You got to give up that tool. <laughs> when you're a child, you spake as a child. <laughs> right, right, all right. Um, she also talks about getting uncomfortable, putting yourself in situations where you would probably talk yourself out of, but actually going ahead with it. She talks about Drake and how early in his career, he got booed off the stage in his hometown. But now look where he is. In fact, you know, his song started from the bottom. Now we're here, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to continually put yourself in uncomfortable situations in order to actually grow. I know for us, it was extremely uncomfortable going in front of the camera and even doing this podcast. What will people think when they see me or what will people think when they hear me? All these things that, you know, we think. And again, it really goes back to conquer your thoughts. It's almost like the every book about success in life, not just career, could be conquer your thoughts because it all starts there. And when we put ourselves in these uncomfortable situations, we are really able to grow. Right. Absolutely. So the next um, point or topic uh, that she talks about is... Have fewer emotions. She means, really what she's trying to say is that emotions are good and everything, but don't be ruled by them. Absolutely. You you really a lot of people if they were if their life was a train, they allow their emotions to be the engine. They allow their emotions to rule them, to run them, to help them to make decisions. And that is so dangerous because our emotions could be disturbed by a turkey sandwich that upsets our belly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you allow your emotions to run you, then you literally do not have control over your life. Oh man, this reminds me, I, I, I used to have a friend who constantly said, it's because I'm on my period, because I'm on my period. She would have these bouts of uncontrollable crying 
or she'd have so much attitude and it would always be like, I'm on my cycle, I'm on my cycle, I'm on my cycle. And I don't care if you agree with me or not, anybody agrees with me or not on this, you cannot be run by your period. You just cannot. You're going to have this thing for like, what, maybe, you know, 50 years, 40, 50 years. You can't sit here and, and every month have this thing run your moods. It just, it just, you just can't live. Like, you can't live like that. But, but I, I do, even though theoretically I understand the thought process that you cannot be run by your emotions, the truth of the matter is it's very easy to be run by your emotions. I know, but it, it takes self-discipline. Definitely it takes self-discipline. You have to discipline yourself. You cannot allow this thing to take over because it does not have a mind. It's almost like you're being run by something that does not have a mind. You we have need to control to be, you. You yeah. can't let something control you. You have, to be, you have to live by principle. You have to live by reason and principle. You cannot live by emotions because emotions will defy you. You'll, if you live by emotions, you'll be angry one day and then you'll do something horrific because you're angry. And then the next day, you're going to have another emotion called guilt and regret. Yeah. <laughs> That's now going to rule you now then because now you were so regretful for what you did. That's going to ruin the next thing, the next day, and then the next day. When will you ever get a grip? You won't. You have to get control of your emotions. As a parent, you know, you can't sit here and just be like, oh, well, I'm feeling, you know, upset because of my period. Now I'm going to treat my child bad. You wouldn't do, do it to your child. So don't do it to your friends. Don't do it to your spouse. Don't do it to coworkers. Just get control of yourself. And that this whole thought about have fewer emotions, we're not just talking about women on their period, but mm -hmm. we are talking about just in general. There are um, people who just... They are in a perpetual funk and they're constantly just... Now, I'm not talking about people with clinical depression or bipolar. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who have the capability and only you will know, really. You have the capability of controlling your emotions and living, like you said, with principle. And that principle would be to work, work hard no matter what, treat people with kindness, you know, all the things that um, that would actually lead to success in life. Well, I think that one of the reasons why she wrote this part of the chapter is because she did suffer from depression at one time and she had to really work really hard at it. She says she at any at the, at the drop of a hat, she could actually go right back to it. But the thing is, is that she's really tried very hard to conquer mm -hmm. her thoughts. And she will say she, she says she gives herself maybe like um. I don't know, five minutes to like cry or do whatever she has to do. And then she gets right back to work, right back to what she needs to do. Because it's, it's a waste of time to stay in that. Right. Um, she talks about don't overthink. That's, that is hard yeah. for a lot of people. Well, I think what she does is she, she operates off of the principle of get it done. And so she moves on things really quickly. And so with that moving on things really quickly and jumping on on the next topic or jumping on the next project it keeps it rolling it keeps it fresh mm -hmm. and so the over overthinkers generally tend to not do things they generally tend to just um paralysis of analysis they overthink it they talk themselves out of things 
and then it never gets done. If you had a choice to be two people, an overthinker or someone who is impulsive, I would venture to say that both of them are going to find themselves in a pickle and they're probably going to have a lot of regrets. But sometimes the impulsive person sometimes can get the, the upper hand because they're jumping on the thing while the other person never gets anything done. That's right. That's right. Which kind of goes into another point, which is exercise, exercise self-control. She talks about how we get so distracted with like our phones and with uh, emails coming in and notifications and all these things. And she's saying, look, you got to have self-control in order to get things done, especially now in society mm-hmm. when there's always another thousand things that you could be doing. She says, set goals for yourself and then do a schedule laying out how you're going to get that goal done reward yourself and challenge yourself so those are the things that she recommends to do in order to help you exercise self-control especially when you are working for yourself it is so easy for the day to go by and you got some maybe hardly anything done some days you might get a lot done, but there are those days where one little thing comes up and it can throw you off right. and then you are forever behind. And especially when you work for yourself, you've got to set that schedule. You've got to. Right. I know when I was working as a nurse in the hospital, um, we had to give certain meds right on shift, really right when we started. And then there would be a whole nother group of meds that would probably be due in a couple hours later. And then there would be another group of meds that would be due in the evening. And in between that time, we still had to do all the dressing changes. And we also had to make sure that we charted before we were, we were gone. Everything was like, there was a set schedule and you had to get it all done within that time. Right. And we did it. We did it every single time we worked. We did it. And so sometimes I look back and I go, wow, if I could do that, I know that I can make sure that I can get stuff done here. Set habits. That's right. So she really, that was just like in her part one about mastering your mind. Mm-hmm. And her part two, she, she talks about being um, a hustler. She says, hustle harder. Um, her first point is commit to your decisions. Commit to your decisions. You know, notice all of these really are intermingled, all these thoughts. Mm -hmm. But I like how she just starts to really break it down. Right. Um, So when she means commit to your decision, meaning, so for example, we have a, we want to do a skit. In fact, you and I used to sometimes argue about it because you would come up with an idea for a skit. And then I would say, oh, I don't know. I think maybe we should switch it to this or switch it to that. You're Mm -hmm. like, no. We made the skit. I've already written it. We're going to do it. You said, let's just commit. Mm-hmm. And it was the right move to commit to the decision. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> because constantly going back and forth, you don't get anything done. And sometimes that whole process of trying to go back on what you said you wanted to do is really, again, the whole thought process, self-doubting or right. overthinking. So she's saying, just commit. When you say, okay, I'm going to do this, commit to it and just do it because more often than not it's going to be the right move regardless right you have to trust yourself so committing i think what she means another way that she could have put it is trust yourself if you don't trust yourself who's going to trust you and if 
you know, success really needs you to trust yourself. Right. Because you are, if you're going to be the boss of your own life, your own circumstances, then you need that boss to be decisive. Oh, absolutely. Can you imagine? So when I used to work as a nurse practitioner now, when I used to write prescriptions, I can't even imagine if my patients, this is the thing, when I wrote my my, um, prescriptions, I wrote it and I committed to it. You know, right. here, here's, you know, here's your um, level of thyroxine for your thyroid and here's this and here's that, you know, can you imagine if I called the patient maybe two hours later and went, you know what, actually, can you take two of those pills? I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. or can you imagine if like, you know, the next time they came in, I was like, you know what, I just, I, I don't know if I was really sure about that med. Let's try this one instead. And not because it didn't work or anything, but this right. has everything to do with me just not wanting to commit to the to the regimen. And so that was um, one of the, I think one of the ways in my life where it really taught me to just commit to whatever I do. You know, mm-hmm. let the process work, let it play itself out, and then then make adjustments if right. you need to. If you need to, if, right? If it if it proves itself that you need to, absolutely. So, Martha, I'm going to ask you, sure. what does FOMO mean? F-O-M-O. Um, for more? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new lingo. Um, fear of missing out. Oh. She said, let go of FOMO. FOMO. Fear, of, fear missing of missing out. out. Hmm. So this is something we always have to address with our kids. Always. It's like... You know, because they're younger, especially mm-hmm. when we tell them, you know, okay, these are the things, you know, we have to do for school or for work or whatever it is. Um, I know that a part of them feels like, well, but what are my friends doing right now? Mm-hmm. And I always have to remind them, well, one of your friends is at work. Another one is doing an exam. And I always have to go down the line like, look, everybody's, everybody's busy. So if right. everybody has this fear of missing out, it's it's because you know maybe maybe what they really needed to do is just focus on what they're doing, and then they would find out that everybody is doing something. So do you know you like don't need word to fear as, it. you know like word association where someone says cat, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? A Dog. cat. Oh, <laughs> you know, like word association, <laughs> like the opposite or something like that. Yeah. Cat, dog, black, white, like the first thing that comes to your head. Well, when you said FOMO, and then you explained fear of missing out. The first thing that came to my mind is when I was a little child and I had to go to sleep and the fear of missing out that all the adults were doing these. That's Shiloh. Absolutely wonderful. And that was Shalom too. Wonderful things. It's just this dreamland where. Like the house, the house would probably just come alive. Come alive in Disneyland. Yeah. And so it's like you don't want to go to bed. But, the, but generally speaking, just like how for a child, the parent knows best. And what you need the most right now and that that point in time is sleep. Mm-hmm. And so you just got to accept that the path that you're on, the path that you decided, you need that more than anything else. What you think is happening is probably way more glorified than it is actually what's happening. And you're really not missing out on anything. You are right where you need to be doing what you need to get done in order for you to fulfill what you need to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely fear of missing out. Got to put that aside. But I think that even happens with me because, like, I'm from Los Angeles. You know, you're from Toronto. 
and we've lived in some big cities. Now we've lived in small towns, mm -hmm. and currently we live in a pretty small town. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, boy, but if we lived in LA, I wonder if we could have this opportunity, mm -hmm. or if we lived over here or over there. And sometimes I have that fear of missing out. But then, like you said, you got to know what's good for you, what's best for you. And All where right. we live is where we, we need to be. Need to be. We had just it's it's been confirmed over and over and over oh, through in the, so many ways through so many ways that this is where we need to be and frankly this is the place that i've been just the most um settled and content for many years so this is clearly where we need to be it's just really it's your thoughts all over again it's Absolutely. your thoughts um okay so another thing with um hustle harder is aim high i feel like you know, a lot of us undervalue ourselves. Yeah, and that's a, you know, her, her, I noticed, I like the way she wrote the book. She wrote lots and lots of chapters. Mm -hmm. and but they're, they're all short, though. They're like one or two exactly. pages. Very short. They're very short, but mm -hmm. they're to the point. And it's like sometimes people think that don't repeat other things that other people know already. When you write a book, you have to make something original and authentic. And you really don't. You have to understand that there is another generation coming up that is just as ignorant every single time. Every single baby that comes into this world has to learn the exact same things that everybody else learned. And so there is a ton of ignorant people to whatever the truths were that you learned. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say that, you know, she has a lot of just very good practical stuff mm -hmm. that I may have already known, but somebody else, you know, is going to be able to benefit. And that is one of them. Well, with the aim high, there are a lot of people who feel that, oh, if I'm just starting out on something, that's a little bit, you know, self-centered to think that I could, you know, maybe propose this, like if you're charging someone, I could charge them mm -hmm. this rate. When we first started, I did not know how much our channels were worth. When we did brand deals, mm -hmm. I did not know that I could be charging, oh my goodness, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to see what I could have been charging. Right. Um, but le let me just say, I could have been, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I could have been charging even 20 to 30 times as much mm -hmm. than what I did when our first couple of brand deals. Because we had no I idea. I did not know. I really did not know that we were worth that much because, again, you devalue yourself. Right. You know, and sometimes it's just lack of knowledge. You know, I think for that one, it was a little bit of both, not knowing the, the you know, not knowing what to do in this business. And then also just thinking, oh, but there's no way I could charge this. But once I did know, right, that was it. She said, if you aim low, you'll end up lower than you attend intended. That's why you have to aim high. That's right. She said, no one else is going to compensate you for your lack of ambition. So you have to be the one to push forward. You right. have to you be have the You have to know your high. worth. Her next point is, if you can do it, you don't have to say it. She says, a boss knows that if you want to be taken seriously, you need to show people who you are and then keep showing them. You don't have to talk about it. I'm a boss. I'm a boss. I'm less, a man. Less talking, I'm a more man. walking. Right. Right. Can you relate? Yeah. I think that it's just better to just show people. Absolutely. Showing showing is is the is true leadership you know um i i get annoyed sometimes at people that just 
are in a position of leadership and they feel like they always have to remind you their title. They always have to remind you, you know, micromanaging and trying to, you know, be on top of everybody over and over and telling them what to do. Like if you're a boss, you say it once. Right. Then set consequences, set boundaries or whatever. Show. Don't and, don't don't use your mouth so much. Don't use your words so much or else, you know, it right. just shows a sign of weakness. And then on the act on the other end, she says, don't tell your boss you work hard. Let your work prove it. Mm-hmm. Don't tell your go- your girlfriend. I'm so loyal. Just be loyal. Be loyal. You mm-hmm. know, you know, she says talk is cheap. So leave it at the thrift store. Mm. <laughs> I like that she did that. I like that. Um, next point. Know the game. Again, if you're whatever you are in, you need to learn it like it like the back of your hand. You've got to know what you're in. One of the things that I find really astonishing is when people come to me and they say, Rita, I want to do, let's say, YouTube. And I'm like, sure, okay. And they're like, okay, now tell me everything. And I'm like, wait, that's not how it works. Mm. You have to already immerse yourself in it you got to be watching it you got to read the articles about it you got to get to know what is trending and the algorithm behind it you need to know the fun stuff and you need to know the boring stuff about it you need to know what does management do or how do they react to you know the creators it's a whole world because you cannot get into whatever you are do whatever you want to do without really getting to know it first. And no, you're not going to know everything at first, but you do have to start the process. Like when we first started, I studied channels for a while before we actually went on and did it ourselves Mm -hmm. because I wanted to know what is really going on. I wanted to know what can I expect? I wanted even to know what what can I expect with pay? All those things. And so I watched all sorts of genres from kids to vegans to Mm -hmm. (laughs) commentary to makeup, everything because I wanted to know what was I getting myself into. I wanted to know how is this perceived by the world? I wanted to know everything. Um, When I read about, um, let's see, Kobe Bryant with basketball, he would immerse himself not only with his practice and what he's doing but he also got to know his opponents and would study of course how they play and that's what he that's what she means know the game know it right uh speaking about kobe bryant um kobe bryant was doing an interview and he said how he talked to the people was let's just say you woke up in the morning and you started working out from nine till nine till twelve right then you took a break, you took a lunch break, and then you came back and you worked out from like three to five or whatever. He's like, okay, that's that's pretty good. You're getting a good amount of working out in. He says what he would do was he would wake up at like three or four in the morning and he would start from there and continue to do the same hours of reps, but he gets more reps in. That means that you're doubling and you do that every single day. The compound, it's like compound interest, like when you're doing when you're doing with your money, compound impact of your workout schedule. If you're doing that every single day and you're waking up earlier than the next guy and you're doing double, eventually you're going to be so far past your competition because you are reinforcing all your skills. 
And um, and that's and that's how Lily was. I mean, Lily, I remember Lily would would be like, oh, I have to finish this. And then she'd be vlogging and you'd see it's like three in the morning and she's still going. And she would never get sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's just a, a, a winner. That's a boss. Michael Phelps would do the same thing. He would do extra laps back and forth. So and remember we saw that interview where mm -hmm. it would be like if his um, competitor or someone did like five laps, he'd do like maybe, you know, seven or ten or something mm -hmm. just to always get that edge. Right. And then, of course, it uh, all adds up. A lot of these people, they only win. They only win the match by sometimes by a second. And so you have to be the one that is working your muscles so hard that you got that one second edge because a win is a win nobody knows a guy that came second even if he came second by a fraction of a second mm -hmm. if somebody breaks a world record and two people break it but one of them break the world record at a higher number they don't remember the other person that broke it at a lower number <laughs> they remember <laughs> the person that broke it at the higher number right because that's the established best right so then she talks about um climbing the ladder in there, she mm -hmm. talks about how when she first started, she would reach out to people who were more established and bigger than her and would give them the respect that was due to them, but also request um, if they had any time to not only teach her about what, uh, what she was in, but also to see if they would collaborate with her. And she says, you know, you've got to climb the ladder rung by rung and you have to earn each rung. And she says, even though she's such a big creator now, she still gets thro rocks thrown from the top down at her. And I think that it is a very interesting lesson to know because a lot of people start at the bottom of the ladder and act like they're already at the top. And she's mm. saying, hey, you need to earn the respect. The funny thing is now, is now though, that there are so many people who have instantaneous fame, right. money, and everything and they don't necessarily have to climb those ladders like she had to and for those types of situations you know i can only say i'm glad we have those opportunities but it's not doesn't happen to everyone and mm -hmm. so most likely you will have to be that person that has to climb that ladder and reach out to people it can be very uncomfortable but it overall will help you develop number one confidence and it will also show you how you need to be once you reach the top, how you need to handle and talk to people who have less than you. Well, I noticed this about Lily. She is really good at um, just encouraging others. But what's the word um, like where you constantly are affirming? Affirming. Yes, she's very good at affirming. She always has something to say every time that she meets somebody. She's <clears> like, you know, I have watched your things or I have read your book and you are so smart or, oh, and you, you're inspiring. Like, thank you so much for inspiring me. Like she's all, she always has something to say. And it's almost like she did her homework to, to make sure that whatever she's saying is relevant. It's not just like off the cuff. And she does that with everyone you know who that to the point you? where it is almost seems like it's not genuine like because she says it so much I just it's think, a tactic it's, it's sort but of i don't like, think it's not genuine i think it's someone who's just professional right you know i do not like when i when someone reaches out to us and they say we really 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 like your work right 
and they can't name a single thing that you've done. Right. I remember one person reached out to us trying to get us to sign some deal. And we said, well, have they seen us at all? And the response was, well, I don't have time to look through every video. I didn't say, did you look did through you every video? video? We just said, which said, one inspired you? Have you seen any of them? Right. Don't come to me with that. You yeah, know? well, it's manipulative because they know they haven't. And they're right. just using that as Trying flattery. to turn it around on you so that, right. you know, we're not the ones. We'll call it out. We'll call <laughs> it out quickly. But you know who this reminds me of? Um, someone who's really professional, always does their homework and is always affirming is that host of Hot Ones on the channel First We Feast. Oh, yes, yes. I love watching those interviews because as they're eating the hot wings and stuff, he, the... The interviewer, he always knows his stuff. He does a deep dive on everyone mm. that he interviews. And it's so fun to watch because it's the he's actually directing the interview versus, you know, let's say an interviewer who expects the person coming on to kind of drive it. You know, up, it's like, you know? okay, I'm just going to like sit there and stare at you and smile. You talk yourself up. No, it's like, hey, I went on your Instagram and I saw this, you know, really random photo and hey, He's talk really to me about that. that. He's really good. I really right. like watching it. Now, if I juxtapose the the ying of, of Lily Singh's yang is that girl that was on Dr. Phil. I mean, she, the one that was like, catch me outside. How about that? No, she has a big career now. Fact, she does. I heard she has a reality show coming out. She has a big career, but she's a great example of not giving in her dues, not being very respectful. And that's just sad that in this generation, someone can shoot up to the top, but not learn the art of truly winning friends and influencing people. On that show, she's saying, I made you. <laughs> you know, like oh, she came back right. and like, I now made I know what you you're saying. because you did this. And it's just like, <laughs> she whoa. Said, she said she made Dr. Phil famous. Right. It's like, you <laughs> but were it, nothing. It's funny. I told the kids how Dr. Phil started off, at least on TV, mm -hmm. on Oprah. And they were like, what? He was on Oprah? Right. And it's like, yeah, you know what? The new generation, all they know is what they see. Right. We have to be the ones to kind of, you know, to tell teach them. them. Mm -hmm. She talks about also taking the stairs. She said, let's face it, shortcuts save us time and energy and they're convenient. But unfortunately, for true success, you have to work hard and you're going to have to take the stairs. Hmm. That's what she said. Well, I know you and Shasha like this one because you guys hate the elevator. Probably I, taking I, the stairs I take the for the elevator reasons. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she said, there is no escalator to success. You've got to take the stairs. And mm. I think that it's a good reminder for all of us. I know for me, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to hurry up and get to where, you know, I have in my head where I want to be success wise or even mm -hmm. weight wise or whatever it is. And you have to be able to exercise self-discipline conquer your thoughts right and just take those stairs one by one and you will eventually get there absolutely so she has a bunch of other points in the working um for to hustle harder she also has a section called make heads turn you know mm -hmm. making heads turn it's she's just it's so much it's so much information that she gives in this book that is I'm telling so you, good it's, it's a ton of information and it's just like I said, it's not all the most unique, but she presents it in a very unique way that really resonates with the next generation and gives examples that we can really relate to. And that's that in itself is genius for someone to be able to say the same thing that you have heard over, but inspire you in just new ways that that is um, 
that is remarkable in and of itself. Right. When she said you are not a parking ticket, she means you're not a parking ticket. Don't get so easily validated. Mm -hmm. What she's talking about is when you do something and everyone's like, oh, you're so great. And and they compliment you and they, you know, they want to be a friend Mm -hmm. and they're saying, I watch all your stuff. And she said, don't let that cloud your sense of reality and affect why you do what you do. Or worse, let them convince you that you don't need to do anything else. Meaning you've arrived, now you don't have to keep working. Right. She's saying, don't be so easily validated. Know what you're about and what you want to achieve and understand that there will be people who will affirm you along the way. But if you allow yourself to, you know, turn your head at every nice comment or gesture or something, you know, you're going to get sidetracked and you're going to get full of yourself and you probably will lose track of what you need to do and you won't get where you want to go. So it's almost like when we try to tell our kids, don't give your heart to the first guy that says you're pretty mm. you know don't be so easily validated you know you're pretty if you're pretty then just know that <laughs> you know you know don't don't let somebody that doesn't deserve you tell you something that you are you should have already known about yourself to now win, win your attention that's right that's right um another topic she says is say what you mean wow mm-hmm. i really like that one I don't like when people beat around the bush mm-hmm. and they are not assertive. I keep telling my kids that we're in a society that's overly sensitive mm-hmm. or super aggressive, but we need to be assertive or we need to say what we mean. If you don't like what someone tells me or tells you, um, say that you don't like it. You don't have to be tactless. You can mm-hmm. be tactful. When someone If you don't like what someone is saying, you should be able to tell them in a tactful way, I am not on the same plane with what you're talking about. I don't and I don't appreciate what you're saying to me. Whatever you want to say, you can say it and be tactful, but you can let them know you're not happy versus just, you know, faking it and just, you know, seething inside. I think too many times people are. Um, the reason why people are so passive and then become very aggressive is because they have let too much build up inside. Whereas if you would just be assertive and get it out, say what you mean, you can, you know, you don't have to be filled with, with so much bitterness. I think she also says, (laughs) she's also implying too, that when you're working with people, say what you want for them to do. Or, you know, just say if you like what they're doing for you as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that when our, our kids, they will um, show us a video that they shot. Um, that one, Maybe it's a video that we didn't necessarily have a lot of input in. Because sometimes there's a video that they take over more. Sometimes there's videos where we do. Mm-hmm. And they'll come to me and they will say, okay, here's the video. And of course, as a mother, you never really want to, you know, shoot down anything. But I've had to learn in this business. I've had to learn to say, no, this is not going to work. We're going to reshoot it. And this is what I think we need to put in there. Or sometimes I have to say, you have to take this part out, you know, Mm -hmm. because this is not making sense. You know, I just, these are things where I just have to like speak up and say what I mean. Because if I say, uh, you know, I don't know. 
they're not going to understand. And it's a big waste of time. Right. And that has happened before where when I was afraid to, you know, hurt their feelings, they prefer now for me to just get it out and just so that they can address it. Well, one of the things that Rita likes to say now, one of her most famous sayings is make America assertive again. (laughs) (laughs) I like to hear that, you know, it just America has become really PC and politically correct and passive. Make America assertive again. That's right. That's right. Um, She said, be unapologetically yourself. I agree. Be yourself. You don't need to conform to what other people think. And that's what makes you you, your uniqueness. So don't try to cover it up by wanting to, you know, everyone look the same. Like for right now, I I saw this article the other day Mm -hmm. that said, why do so many of... Was it Kim Kardashian and her friends? Why do they all look so much alike? And they showed that they all use the same sort of makeup, the same sort of technique, the same hairstyles, same body shapes, that they could all almost be like sisters outside of her other sisters, of course. And again, where's where's the uniqueness, you know? Everyone's, oh, I think an even better example actually was that article where that woman sat on a bench in front of some um, place where people walk, I think in New York City or something, and she took a picture of people in their outfits and their work outfits or whatever outfits, and she said that these were all done on different days, but when you look at the photos throughout the years, she did this throughout the years, mm-hmm. each year you could see that there were like, 50 different people wearing the same exact outfit whoa on the same day too wow i was just like what what happened to uniqueness what happened to right you know like i can understand a certain style but this was like when i saw the photos i thought no way there's no way from not just like the color hat or suit or something like that i'm talking right down to the smallest detail like a bag um that was worn like you know over the shoulder or the same sort of bag or the same um haircut down to the sunglasses down to the shoes it was crazy wow i don't know where i don't know what happened but yeah uniqueness is kind of like gone right now uniqueness is dying and we and we all think i bet you that person was rocking that outfit thinking i am so unique we all we we are being heralded into this 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 um we're all like almost like sheep to the slaughter you know what i'm oh, saying herded yeah herded you know we're just like sheep to the slaughter it's just like everybody's just being herded into this this one spot and you don't even realize it mm-hmm. you know advertisers are putting it all the same stuff out on all of our websites um we're passing the stores and we're seeing the exact same outfit so that's basically kind of what's going on mm-hmm. we are subconsciously being manipulated and being molded by beholding we become changed that's right and her last part she talks about being a unicorn and what is this thing about unicorns man she really likes unicorns (laughs) but it's funny in this chapter she has several points um one of them is no piggybacks what do you think about that no piggybacks Mm -hmm. well what does that mean well She says she deals with a lot of piggyback requests. After she went on like the Tonight Show and, 
you know, she's had all sorts of um, interactions with celebrities and she just has such a, her own big following. Mm-hmm. She gets a lot of requests saying, hey, guy, hey, remember me? And then they'll ask her for something. They'll ask to for her to open doors mm. for things. And um, she says, no piggybacks. She said, true success is built on a strong foundation. Right. And she basically said, if someone wants to use you as their escalator, then they're not going to really understand about taking those solid stairs that they had to take to get to where they want to be. Right. So she says she will support people, but she's not going to give them a free ride. And that makes sense. You know, um, we tend to do the same thing ourselves. We like to help people and we will give them pointers and we'll give them tips, especially when it comes to YouTube, something that we understand and we know. And we will give them the net we will teach them how to fish, but it's not a really good idea to be just continuing to give people a fish. Right. She says though, that support people who work hard. Right. So therefore, if you support people who work hard, that's not really a piggyback. That's just opening doors and and helping people up right? versus putting them on your back and bringing them up. So I think that, she said, she, I like what she says, piggyback rides are cute in pictures, but not in real life. It's important to know the difference between supporting people and giving them a free ride. Right. Because people, it, it doesn't benefit them. Because if they didn't take the stairs, then they don't understand the different steps in order to be successful. We have won. We have lost. We have won again. And the reason why, and that's life, life, there's always opportunities to lose. And the reason why we're able to win again is because we actually know all the steps that it takes to win. So when you fall back, you, you, you have no problem going up. But if you give a person a fish, if you, if you don't teach them and then you carry them, when they go through their ups and downs, they're they're not going to have an up again. They won't have an up because they didn't know how to do it. And they're going to come right back to you once again. And that's why some people, you know, who come to you for money um, and they don't, they never just come once. They come several times. It's because they never learned their lesson. And the best way that you could do is to help them, but not necessarily give. If you're just giving without helping, without teaching, then you're really actually not helping them at all. Right. Right. And one of her last points is appreciate things. One of the ways she says you can appreciate things is to call out the simple things. So, for example, she says if she's in traffic, she says, I'm driving in a car in a beautiful city on a hot summer day. So she realizes that she is in a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. She's fortunate to have a car and she's enjoying the weather. Those are little things to help keep her on track. Mm-hmm. She said, um, you also have to be grateful. Just be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. Pause for a moment and reflect. Right. And I think those are things that I try to do on a daily basis. Nothing is perfect in our lives right, right now. Nothing. And it never will be. But I do try to remember to just be grateful. Be grateful for the opportunity. There are so many unfair things that happen. So many unfair things mm-hmm. that happen to all of us. And some are really minor and some could be you know all the way to death and 
you have to be grateful for where you are and what you're doing. Absolutely. Because, um, there's too much that you could focus on to say, this is unfair or why me or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to get you anywhere. I feel like I could sum up her book, like I said before, with Conquer Your Thoughts. Because a lot of the stuff starts off in the mind. Right. You know, being grateful, um, understanding not to... Uh, to work, sorry, understanding to work hard, yep. you know, all these things like you could, it's just, it all starts in the mind. It's really about your mind. It is. Everything. It is. We are, we are who we are. And that is our mind. Even when you want to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, it starts in your mind. That's right. When you understand that you can only control yourself and you can't control everything around you. Like when you play Nintendo, it starts in your mind. So I guess the moral of the story is everyone to get control of your thoughts and i would say go and get this book it's a really concise book Mm -hmm. she has a lot of chapters that are only like one or two pages Um, she has nice photos and she has a lot of really great examples because of our time we had to kind of run through several concepts but actually every concept could have been a podcast on its own oh yeah for sure you know but um we really hope that you enjoyed that Thanks for listening. Join us again Monday through Friday. Show notes are found at theonyxlife.com where you can also submit questions through our Ask Us section. Join our Facebook, The Onyx Life. Follow us on Twitter at The Onyx Life and on Instagram at The Onyx Life Official. Now go live that Onyx Life where change comes a challenge. See you next time.